Hey there, folks. Uh, little pre-show intro for you guys. The first thing I want to say is um, a huge sorry for missing last week. Uh, I don't know. I was in a funk. Um, it happens from time to time. I got into a funk. I think it's because I knew that this episode uh, had a few edit points that I had to do. Um, and it was sounded like a daunting task. Uh, and I finally sat down and did it, and guess what? It wasn't that bad. The, I don't think you're going to notice it uh, all that often, though I do want to apologize to uh, our guest this week, C-Rob. Uh, I am sorry that th- your experience on the show was very um, technically difficult to do. Uh, we had a lot of issues, but we pulled through. Uh, this is a great episode, guys. I really enjoyed it. Um, and a big apology because we did do this a couple months ago, probably in 2015. I think it was still, um, it was November, I think. So, um, some of the things we're going to talk about is a little outdated, but the core of this episode is still about wrestling and coming up in the industry. So you can never outdate that. I do want to give a little shout out to one of C Rob's projects that's coming up in a couple months here in about three months. Uh, and we'll remind you as time, as we get closer again. But um, he is going to be, uh, every year he coaches a very special event for softball. It is the Carol Yeager LS8U Coach Pitch Softball Tournament, uh, July 9th to the 14th, 2016. If you're in the uh, Lovett Sound, Fairless Hills, Bucks County area, Pennsylvania, um, it's, I believe, the Fairless Hills Fields. Uh, and go support. It's a very cool thing he does. Um, and I, I can't, uh, recommend it enough. On to the show. Enough waiting. Let's talk to C-Rob. Brother, C-Rob. Welcome to Everything is Awesome. I'm your host, Kev, and this is the show where we talk to awesome people about awesome things. This week's guest is an old, old friend of mine, both literally and metaphorically. (laughs) He is, uh, back in the day when we hung out quite often, uh, he actually was one of my closest friends who we've had plenty of heart-to-hearts, and I'm honored to call him a friend. I'm honored to call him uh, a guy who taught me a thing or two in the ring, uh, wrestling. Uh, please welcome from the Hundred Acre Woods, C. Rob Christopher Robbins. Ah, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you know, it's been quite some time since we've we've talked. I just kind of I hunted you down on social media, and somehow I found your email address on something, uh, and. Because uh, you are one of the guys, like you and Wasi are probably the only two guys from the wrestling world that will eventually do this show, and uh, that's obvious. This, this show originated as like a podcast about podcasts, and then I realized my audience was small, so uh, or my interviewers were small, so open it up to everybody. Uh, and you were uh, like one of the you're, you're the sixth guest, maybe fifth guest. I don't even know, but uh, thank you for being here. No, thank you for having. Me. So, uh, what we like to do here on the show, as I kind of told you before we officially went live, is we kind of just talk about um, how you got into, in your case, wrestling, um, and you start from the beginning. We'll probably go in on tangents, that's fine, uh, and whatever you want to talk about. It's, uh, it, it, think of it as your show this week. Just no C-Rob to D-Rob, man. <laughs> there's, no, no problem. I'll there's stay away from there's also a, a, a podcasting history that, that we have uh, with Happy Hour and uh, all the various shows that anyone that listens to this probably has an idea of. But um, so, yes, yeah, so so wrestling is our common thread, I'd say. Yeah, uh, that's how we uh, yeah, got uh, to know each other. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously I started in the backyard. Uh, and with, with FTW uh, way back in the day with uh, the Underground Wrestling Federation, a, the other UWF, <laughs> which had, because the UWF for me is so, something that's been around since I was a kid, uh, like a teenager at the very least. Yeah. So it's been around since the early 90s, you know, bef- long before I even thought that having an opportunity in wrestling was a possibility. 
And um, I remember going and just watching George the Animal Steel was like the biggest name I think that I remember seeing there. Um, though there could have been, I don't, I don't think I went to every single one, but I did. And that's when they were at Westerby Hall, I believe, back in the 90s. And that was like the thing that like me, at least me, I know Fox, uh, another wrestling buddy of ours, like we had, uh, like we wanted to wrestle there one day. And I don't, I don't think we actually, or at least I never did. Uh, I think it was the Eagles Hall I ended up at with the UWF. But um, yeah, so the UWF has early history here in our in our neck of the woods, and you started there. I don't know when. We'll go. Nin- Nineteen ninety eight. Uh, wow. Yeah, I uh, I first started uh, there because um, I knew Moose uh, Moretti. Uh, he was just a customer of mine coming into the gas station, and we always talked about wrestling. Once I found out that he was a wrestler, and as soon as him. And uh, his partner, uh, Rocco Murder, Fred, as soon as they opened up their school, he invited me to come in for a tryout. And I thought, this is this is awesome. And uh, so I went and I, I did my tryout. And um, he's like, well, if you, this is something that you could do if you wanted to. I said, all right. And he, he gave me a reasonable, uh, reasonable price on, on tuition, which... You know, after a couple months, um, he just kind of forgot or decided he wasn't going to charge me anymore. But so, so that was that, and I went in, and and that actually, the the funny thing is, at the time, and not a lot of people know this, I uh, I had already signed a contract to join the army as soon as I graduated from high school, and which was something that I I, I didn't want to do to begin with. Not not that, you know, it's it's not a great thing. I want to say everyone out of high school has that idea. I, I mean, I never signed the dotted line, but I talked to a couple people about it. And, yeah, yeah, I went through. I had the physical, the whole nine, which is, is a very funny story in itself. How hard is it to get out of that? Uh, <laughs> I can't. I know on TV they make it seem like it's impossible. It is impossible unless you were under the age of 18 when you signed the contract and you don't have a parent there with you, which is the only reason why I was able to get out of it. But once I got accepted into the Squared Circle Pro Wrestling School... Is that what they called it? Yeah, that, that's, that's what they called it, um, which it was just a little garage where if you went over the top rope or ran the ropes too hard on one side, you were slamming into drywall, which which was fun. And the ring, the there was no padding to the ring. It was old carpet and old padding, which most of it smelled like urine. So nice. yeah, it was. Is that it was the ring? Great. Is that the ring we wrestled in in the in <laughs> no, the two thousands? No, 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 that wasn't. But I tell you what, it was. I mean, I say no padding. It, it wasn't your traditional ring padding but it was the most comfortable ring I think I've ever bumped on and because it was a training ring so it was real close to the ground it sounded like a million bucks every bump you took so it, but it was also I think it was 20 by 20 it oh, might even might even been a, a little bit bigger than that you had a ton of room which what standard is in WWE, what eight is it? They use twenties or eighteens? Eighteen. And then usually indies use sixteens, right? Yeah. So that's that's a pretty big ring. And that so for those that are not uh, in the know of wrestling, I, to me, padding is one of the most important things. <laughs> and maybe that's just my old man mind thinking back to everything that hurts. Uh, but that was I remember like we were, were you there for in the FTW when we built the ring? No. In, no. Okay. I I didn't come until you guys already had the ring. Okay, so we'll we'll. Uh, We'll get to that chronologically then, uh, but so continue. So I, uh, I, going back to the the whole military thing, and this is just something that I I think is is funny, is I at that point in my life, you know, I was just just became a senior in high school. I'd never given blood or had blood taken at all in my life, and so I was nervous as hell about that. And that's one of the things that they do when they give you your physical. And the biggest, most buff black dude I've ever seen, I was scared just sitting next to him, is in front of me. 
in line and it, they literally they line you up in a row and there's just this old lady that sits there and sticks you with a needle draws your blood and then as you're done you get up and then the next person comes in it's she doesn't even move from her seat somebody even comes and takes the vials of blood from her and uh so i'm sitting there and i'm waiting and i'm nervous as hell and this and the biggest dude i've ever seen in my life he gets the needle in and she's holding on to it and she takes the one vial out she goes to switch the vials and as she's doing that he passes out and falls over and she, you know she's got a firm grip on the needle and it just rips a huge gash in his bicep so now i'm even more nervous but it ended up you know going good and not a big deal. But. I mean, at 31, when I have to give blood, I'm just like going to my happy place. Like I, I can't as as much as I love getting tattoos, and I, I don't mind needles for that. But giving blood or any kind of hospital work, yeah, no, it, that it doesn't bother me anymore. It right. used to bother me, but I'm 31, and I, I will admit that I am a, a p word when it comes to that. <laughs> but it used to bother me a lot until my youngest was born. Once my youngest was born, I. Blood, none of that stuff bothers me at all anymore. <coughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, blood in general doesn't bother me. It's blood when, I, like, it's the needle. The needle. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't mind. Like, I don't mind really looking at the blood. I just kind of avoid it because then I see the needle. And same thing with IVs. Like, which I've only had two or three of in my life. Like, I just, I, yeah, I don't like needles in my arm. Uh, anyway, so. Hit me with a steel chair, though, and I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I, you know, I started off at, at his wrestling school, and I, I did it for, I, I started in February of 98, and May, I want to say 15th, it was the day of my senior prom, like two weeks before, he's like, oh, we're going to throw a, a show uh, together at the wrestling school. Um so you're going to have your first match. And I'm like, huh, that's the day of my senior prom. And he's like, well, we're going to do it early in the day. So prom's at, what, like 6 o'clock. So you'll be fine. So I'm like, all right. So I went. I wrestled two matches. I refereed a match between Reckless Youth, Trent Acid, and uh, Billy Real. And then I went home and showered and shaved and picked my date up and got ready for prom um and then after a while it just between work and um between work and everything i I just i i couldn't continue to go to the school so i took i'm gonna say probably about six months off just stopped going and then i went back and uh it was like, you know, nothing, nothing had really changed. Got right back into the swing of things, and um, then they had a show coming up. Uh, actually, it wasn't even UWF. It was, oh, God, I, I don't remember what Tony Stallone used to call his wrestling company, but it, it was a show for Tony, and Moose had asked me if I would, uh, if I wanted to do it. <laughs> who wouldn't you know it was yeah, first yeah. opportunity to wrestle in front of a, a large crowd because we could only fit maybe 15 20 people tops in the, the old wrestling school so I went did the show for for Tony and I, I realized then like I'm out of my league I, I I need to expand my horizons as as far as training so me and two other guys we decided you know we're gonna we're going to start going up to uh, New Jersey All Pro and, you know, see if we can get some, some more training up there. And uh, so we just, we would get in the car and uh, I'd, I'd drive us up there. Take Where in Jersey, like how far of a drive is this? Oh, your exit, uh, I believe it was 14 on oh, the New Jersey Turnpike. So, yeah, you're, you're up, up pretty far. And it was in this old bingo hall. And uh, we get there, and you know, right away, they're like, "Who, who are you guys?" And uh, you know, it was uh, Magic and Fat Frank, who unfortunately just just recently passed away. 
And uh, so we actually would have to sit there and watch them the first couple of times we went down there. We had to sit and watch all of the rookies that they were training, you know, learn. And then um, at the end of the night, that's when they let all the people who had experience work out. So we went and, and did that. And uh you know, it it was nice. It was a it was a it was a decent change for us uh to go and work out there. We got to meet uh the Haas brothers while we were there because that's where they, you know, cut their teeth in, in wrestling and uh, so we got to work out with them and um after a while from going there you know just once a week we'd make the long trek up uh magic started actually having us uh like run the drills in the class and you know their beginners classes which was cool because we got more ring time that way he taught us a ton of psychology and he seemed to uh really take a liking to me dewey and, and malcolm and uh which was which was great, you know the the fact that we got to learn something other than what what we were being taught at uh, at the squared circle. So at at that point in my life, I was you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was training at um you know training three three nights a week, and then training Saturday. God, I would show up at the gym at ten in the morning, and I would work out until two, three o'clock in the afternoon. And you were squeezing this all in with a regular life, I assume, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. With, with working a full-time job and a part-time job. Yeah. So, so, so you went to the school of wrestling for real. Like you didn't go to yeah. regular, like regular school, like most of us. Yeah. No. Uh, so, and I apologize for making you talk that whole time. Oh, that's, no, that's, that's cool. As long as you can work out the technical difficulties, we're all right. Um, and I got to, um, and, uh, <clears throat> so I, jumping back, cause I couldn't say anything while you're talking. The one name that stuck out to me was Reckless Youth. So you've known him all these years. I mean, I, I guess no is a strong term. You've, I was, fam- I was familiar with him until actually up until we did that show that uh, second show that we did at Conwell Egan. Okay. The one that we only got to do half a show yeah, and yeah. then it got shut down. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I was familiar with them. Uh, I didn't know Montoya until, until then, but, um, and, and the reason, uh, reckless youth, at least, uh, at least him has some sort of quote unquote importance is he's the guy that trained a lot of the FTW guys, um, which is, you know, where our, our stories intersect is I, I think we are, I think we may have been Falls Township Wrestling at the time, or are we still Federation of Teenage Wrestlers? If, no, if it wasn't, Falls, it was yeah, Falls Township. So prior, was that uh, in Crabtree, Tony's backyard, or was it? Well, I where, where when I first in? started with you guys was the week after, um, you made your debut, which is like that. November nineteenth, two thousand one, two thousand two, I think, because I was eight, I didn't turn eighteen until. 2002. Really? I thought it was 2001. That's when I debuted. Fox and Jay, I believe, debuted in 01. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they were 18. Well, Fox was always older than Jay and I. But Jay, I think, turned 18 um, the year that we entered senior year. So I think in 01, he probably wrestled there. Okay. Uh, And that's where I I had to be in the audience because I I wasn't a wrestler at that. Well, I wasn't a UWF wrestler at the point. And, um, so that's where I first met you, well, saw you wrestle. I didn't yeah. meet you until you officially came over, which I guess was the week after that. It was, yeah, it was the following weekend. Cause how that came about was, you know, Moose had said to me, he said, look, he said, we have an opportunity, um, to, uh, save ourselves a ton of money by not having to pay for a ring. The only catch is we have to put some of their guys on the show and he said we've had some of the guys on the show and the other guys were pissed because 
it was just high spot after high spot after high spot. And, you know, we just got to teach him proper, you know, psychology, how to put a match together. He's like, they're not much younger than you. Why don't you go work out with them? And I'm like, I don't have a place to train. Going to work out with them sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. And plus, I, you know, talked to quite a few of you. Actually, me and Steve uh, were sent to, um, we were sent to Staples to get tables <laughs> before the show. And Steve offered to go with me. And so, you know, him and I, we were, we talked and I thought yeah, it, it'll be a good fit. And so, so that's how that went down. And, uh, after, after that, we just kind of, uh, all clicked, you know? Technical difficulties. Yeah. There's normally a four year old, well, three and three year old child sitting in here <laughs> when I do this live show. So, uh, so yes, the staples, uh, tables were like a classic for us. Once we kind of did the pro shows, yeah. uh, UWF, FTW, all alike. For me, I always look fine. Like, I think I only used uh, trays. I think I only wrestled for the UWF once, but I used to do the Arby's trays, yeah. which shattered so nice. And in the backyard, it was like a nice, cool effect. Uh, I, I enjoyed it in the in the ring, too, when we wrestled like at Conwell uh, Egan and, and uh, Emily Methodist. If, if only that table, <laughs> when you and D'Angelo had your blow-off, if only the table broke as good as those arbitrates. It's funny because he begs me to find that match because I have it on DVD somewhere and to, to give it to him because that is probably his best match. Uh, and yeah, I remember that. That's also the night that I grabbed a chair uh, because I th- I don't know if it was after the table. It had to be before the table. But I grabbed a chair, which was impromptu because whatever weapon I was looking for was not on the side of the <laughs> ring. So he saw that I grabbed the chair and I just swung expecting him to throw his hands up. Because that's what, you know, D'Angelo did. Like, he was, he just, he trained to protect himself. Yeah. The actor that he wanted to be. So, uh, I swung full force, but he did not put his hands up and took it like a champ. And I remember just seeing the white of his eyes. That was, that's, to this day, one of my favorite matches. Um, but yes, the, the trays, the tables. Uh, what else did we, I guess the, the, I mean, just the standard ladders and stuff. I don't know if we ever did ladders in, uh in the pro FTW matches, but I know Moose used to, him and I used to always go to, uh, Sears hardware when it was in Dion square to get those aluminum trash cans that if you farted too close to one, it would bend it. Cause you know, they make a hell of a sound, but it, they, they were junk, but you know, it looked good. And, and he was always big on that. And plus, you know, you could fill it up with a ton of uh, a ton of weapons, and you got a convenient way to carry them all to the ring. I always enjoyed roadblock. Uh, that was something. Do you remember the roadblock that we used? That's something that I think was Marty's thing. Uh, not not a not your Marty uh, Rambo uh, Maniac is his wrestling name. And in every hardcore match we had, and I remember I told him in our one hardcore match, I was like, I'm going to be leaning on this side. Like, I'm going to lean my, my right side away, so hit the left side so that you, with a bat. So he, of course, hit the right side. That was Marty. He was like the guy that's just a lovable, stiff guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first time that... Now, we trained, going back when we were Federation of Teenage Wrestlers, we quote-unquote had tryouts with, with guys, and Marty was one of those guys where we basically... And this is when we wrestled on the ground. We would just say, like, all right, let's do a few moves. All right, power bomb me. Like, remember, it's fake. Like, you don't have to slam me into the ground. He proceeded to pick me up and slam me in the ground. And I think there's video of it that maybe Tom, I don't know. It's probably lost at this point. But I literally folded in half and dented the ground in. And that was the last time in the backyard I ever took a power bomb from him. I I let him do it in the ring once. (laughs) He, I remember it was... One of the last uh, FTW shows. It was. It was. I think it was the last one that we did at 
the Eagles Club. I was supposed to sneak into his match, which I think was against Wellbank. As he's setting up for the spear, I was supposed to slide a chair into the ring so that when he would go to run, I could pull his feet out from under him and he would face bump onto the chair. And then I was supposed to hit him with the chair. And as we're getting ready for it, I said to him, I'm like, dude, how hard do you want me to hit you? He says, give me everything you got with a steel chair. And I'm like, dude, if I give you everything I got with a steel chair, uh, it's going to mess you up. And he, oh, no, no, I'll, I'll be fine. And I'm like, Marty, I, I'm not going to give you any everything I got with the steel chair. And he's like, I'll be fine. Just give me everything you got. So I'm like, dude, walk with me. So I grab a steel chair, you know, one of those crappy ones that sat under the ring for ever. And uh, I go out to the to the dumpster behind Eagles Club, and I'm like, dude, if I hit you with everything I got with a steel chair, this is what it's going to be like. And I, the dent I left just from hitting the dumpster, the chair was unusable. In fact, I threw it in the dumpster right afterwards. And he's like, yeah, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like... All right, if he says he'll be fine, I guess he'll be fine. So we go out, we do the spot, and I hit him so hard that to this day, Tom still breaks my balls about it because it literally drove Marty to his knees. But he got back up, and he still finished the spot. We were trying to do like the Jeff Hardy, Brock Lesnar spot where I hit him with the chair. He dropped down to one knee. I hit him with the chair again as he stood back up, which is a lot different because Lesnar stood right back up. Marty kind of hobbled up after like 40 seconds, and then I hit him again. But he rolled right between the middle and uh, top rope out onto the floor, landed on his feet, which is a, a feat for somebody who's as uh, he was not a like he wasn't Jeff Hardy's size. Yeah, no, and and he wasn't very Mid nimble. <laughs> and I don't mean that as offensive, but Mid bullyish. I yeah, mean, it was Mid bullyish at some point too. But yeah, he he finished the spot like a champ, and you know I didn't feel bad about it at first, and then everybody started giving me shit about it, and then when the DVD came out, I was like, oh. Yeah, now I see why everybody's giving me shit. But with the backstory, I was just doing what the kid asked me to do. You know, he was always fine with doing whatever you wanted to do or whatever he wanted to do. And uh, and those chairs we had, they they were not very good at all. Like I I don't know if you remember, we did, um, and this was when we were still in Tony's backyard in Crabtree, a spot. It was when. Jay and Rich finally turned on Ryan when Ryan was the world champ. And they were, they not beat his ass and they, they're beating him down. And he's laying on the ground. And I actually, so stupid, you know, in hindsight, this is the most ridiculous thing I ever could have done because it's not like we ever had anybody watching us in the backyards unless it was when worlds oh, collide. Yeah. But so I actually, I bladed. I, I cut myself before I even <laughs> went out. And I go running out to the ring to make the save because Ryan's laying on the ground and Jay's hitting him with the chair over and over again. And as he is, because it's a chair that's been sitting under the ring forever, it's it's rusted. And as soon as I go out... I slide into the ring, and as soon as I stand up, Jay hits me in the head with it. And as he does, the top part, like the backing, flies off. And on video, it looked phenomenal. It, like It looked like, oh, my God, he hit him so hard. The chair just imploded as he hit him. It was, <laughs> it was great. But uh, And I bled like a pig, and I'm ne I'll never forget Tina coming out going, oh, my God, you're bleeding. Like, yeah, I know. I did it on purpose. I remember when, uh, I, I think this is when we wrestled in Lico's uh, <clears throat> uncle's facility. It wasn't really a back. Maybe it was a backyard. I don't know. But uh, it was just yard wrestling then. Was it? I, oh, it might not have been even there. It may have been at Dave's. But remember that wooden mallet? D'Angelo's huge wooden. This. Oh, it that was before my time. 
Oh, okay. If it was a date, but I remember Jay hit it and like it left an indent on his head. And then there was another thing where like a lead pipe was involved, and I think it was with Jay and maybe even Rich. I'm not sure, but it they it it was hit on somebody, bounced back, and did the same thing. And then my other favorite Jay uh, moment was at when we did that outdoor show at was it Emily Methodist or was it it wasn't Eagles Hall I, I forget where it was it, it was the Legion the Legion okay we did an outdoor wrestling show beautiful day however Jay decided to juice and I he told me ahead of time because he said I but he said don't tell the girls uh, his his now wife and he said uh, but just when it happens you know that it's it's I did it on purpose and he 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 juiced he bladed and <laughs> like somehow I got shit for it because, <laughs> because I knew about it and didn't tell anyone but they, they are some of my favorite Jay moments of, of what happens outside the ring the, the funniest part about that was we get him to the back and which wasn't even the back it was just behind the rental truck that brought the ring to the to the event but we get him back there and we're starting to clean him up and I just remember Montoya going, why the fuck did you cut yourself that big? And he goes, I didn't think it cut. It wasn't bleeding at first. So he just kept going and he went across, pretty much across. The, he basically scalped himself. Oh, so fun. Uh, yeah. You know, I forgot that it was because, you know, most of the time it's just a quick less than an inch mark that you usually do. I mean I've never juiced so I, I'm speaking out of turn here but I would imagine usually it's just you do a quick little slice because your head's gonna bleed yeah he <laughs> the the idiots we were and like I mean we were the safest idiots I've ever known because there's like backyard kids that are just dumb and I, like going back to the backyard where we in Dave's house would light tables on fire <laughs> Though I think that was like I think we got it lit on fire, and Dave said, "Nope, nope, stop, stop the match. Like we're not doing this." We also, uh, I don't. Have you ever been in Dave's backyard or no? I know. No. Okay, so uh, he has a shed there that was, I believe, a triple threat match between D'Angelo, Moore, and Steve, and <laughs> because we were at the same time being dumb, we were also being safe tossing i believe it was steve off the top of the shed which was like you know probably about as tall as my shed maybe maybe a little taller and i think the roof was flatter so it's not like 10 feet in the air but eight and uh it was like tossing steve off but holding his hand and letting him down so he didn't get hurt uh i there's so many things that happen in the backyard that i love uh these some of these are before your time but i i uh the one I just went to, you know, those apartments across the street from Burger King, Newportville. Yeah. So that's where the FTW started. Um, that uh, Chris Nielsen, uh, you know him? Oh yeah. yeah okay. Uh, streak. <laughs> streak. Uh, Chris Nielsen. Uh, he that that was where he lived, and we wrestled there. In a time where now here's the evolution of the FTW from from backyard to pro was where we had no ropes, but we <laughs> we we would bounce off shit like just invisible. <laughs> <laughs> uh but the, the the first ever event ended with a uh gauntlet match that uh nielsen was supposed to win i, I think i guess because he offered up a place for us to wrestle we, we put the strap on him and but what we did is everyone went out there with something to hit him with for real like i think i had a trash can lid or something and like he got like beat up for real because like he was i mean you know streak <laughs> streak is streak he, he earned it uh and <laughs> Like the, I mean, the wooden mallet was part of it. I know, like uh, Riptide just like like destroyed him, and and so did Riptide. Fox. Eric, Eric, Eric. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. We can talk off air about that. I when I and I I, I made this disclaimer with Mike because uh, we also went into wrestling details, and uh, I make this disclaimer when we talk about people from the past. I I, try, I tend to remember them as they were then uh, yeah. because uh, we have to. <laughs> I have to in order to keep saying. Um, but uh yeah so uh yeah he just got destroyed uh then we eventually went to dave's backyard where i think we developed the idea of bungee cords for for ropes i I think but we also made our own ring eventually like we got huge pieces of wood cemented them down in the ground got tires for for the balance underneath 
uh, got turnbuckles from highspots.com and the ropes and everything. I actually think I still have our original high spot ropes in the my parents' attic. Oh, really? I think so. At least a couple turnbuckles and turnbuckle pads. Uh, because when we bought the ring, which was so after we got kicked out of Dave's backyard, we went. I think we, that's when we went to uh, Crabtree to Tony's house. No, Lico's. We went to Lico's first. So what I, we, I, unless you may have. I've, well, we do because we went back to Tony's. Okay. So I think we started off at, at Tony's, and there we said, uh, you know, we're changing our name from Federation of Teenage Wrestlers because F Falls Township, who kicked us out of here, so we're Falls Township Wrestling in Bristol Township. And we bought D'Angelo, like, front of the money for us to, to uh, buy the ring. And then that's the ring that I think was used for years and years. And I, I think Justin has it. Yeah, Justin owns it. Do, do they do anything with that anymore? As far as I know, no. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's uh, this going back to, like, the reason I thought about bringing you into this. This uh, A year ago or so, maybe a little bit more, I saw the UWF Flyers. You guys did a couple shows last year. Yeah. Or was it the year before? Um. I, th- I think it was last year because I said, oh, man, they're wrestling again. If I could, because, okay, so in January I weighed 240 and I dropped 40 pounds up, like, as of, like, last week. So I got down to, like, back to my FTWA. So if I can get down to FTWA and, like, train, I want to talk to C-Rob and see what's going on and see just one more time. Yeah, it was. But uh, I think, so I think it was, like, August of last year. No, it'll be, it'll be two years in February from when I first went back okay. but they had a show um actually two years ago uh the beginning of this month they had a show okay. at the beginning of november and uh and so actually me me and tom uh went to that and um you know we talked to to scott and talked to nubius and um who uh i last saw on tv yeah, he's a I guess a you know he's a Kevin Smith guy. He likes Kevin Smith yeah. too, and he was on Comic Book Men uh, I think a year or two ago. Well, he draws a lot of comic. Books oh, does he? Too. Oh, he's a fantastic. Artist. I, I know, I knew he drew. Does he like draw like just freelance comic book stuff, or like does he actually publish his stuff? Um, that I don't uh, know. Yeah. But I, you know, I talked to him a little bit, talked to Scott a little bit, and then I talked to Moose a few days later, and Moose is like, you know, yeah. I'd, you know, I'd be willing to to have you come back and and work for me. So, you know, him and I we got together and we we talked at, about a lot of things as far as the direction that we wanted the, the UWF to go, and we uh, we started working on it. Um, you know, I, I right away kind of like became like his his right hand man. He he leaned on me for a lot of things. I got um, you know Redding involved uh i he'd already had bruce um van zant hazard oh he, okay, he, okay he already had him involved because he had he uh refereed a few few of the matches on the november show and um so i helped him out with a lot of things i designed um you know him and i were talking and i said look i said if if you're gonna want to legitimize this i said you should really consider getting custom belts rather than getting these replica belts and putting stickers on them like yeah, yeah, yeah. every other you know small time organization does i said you know it, it'd be really good and he's like well i really you know i don't really know what to do as far as that and i said look i said i, I get places that reach out to me all the time online about ordering them i said i'll look into it so he's like all right well you know come up with some designs so uh i'm like let's not put the cart before the horse i i i talked to one of the guys and the guy's like you know uh shoot me some designs i'll give you a price so now i'm like okay i guess i should have put the cart before the horse (laughs) so i came up with some designs and i i'm not a good artist but I always like the idea, and this is something that Fox and I had talked about several times, and, and we had, you know, come up with the idea to for the FTW for the Keystone State title. Yeah, yeah. Where the main plate is actually in the shape of the Keystone, and I'm like, well, we have a PA, you know, title. I said to Moose, "Do you mind if I change the name to the Keystone State?" And he's like. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. 
And I'm like, all right. So I I changed it so that the the main plate is in the shape of Keystone, and it's got um, you know the outline of the state of Pennsylvania, and it says PA on top of it, and they're multi-layered, multicolored, and uh, the two side plates closest to it to the main plate are uh, they have the the Liberty Bell on them. And then the two plates on the outside have, you know, this the U.S. Steel emblem on it because it's started in in Pittsburgh, you know. And uh, so I designed that belt, put it on a blue, a blue strap, Um, like that light blue, like the old school. uh, No, it's actually it's 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 a royal blue. Okay, okay. And then um, I did the world title, and I I was always a big fan of. The, like you were saying, the the belts that aren't your traditional black. Yeah, like yeah, Like yeah. having different color, especially everything we had in FTW was... A black weightlifting belt. Yeah, a With black a piece of belt. wood. And... Yeah, and, until we started using yeah, replicas, yeah. And, and then even still, you're, you're still using replicas. Were you there for the, the our custom belts? Uh, there there was a couple when I first started with you guys, and then we just started using my f- replicas. My favorite, before you continue with your story, my favorite was the hardcore title that we designed as the Anarchy A. Because I think it was, and I, it, that may have been long gone by the time you got there, but I think we designed it because uh, Fox, as Arson maybe, was the hardcore champion. So like we we're like, all right, well, let's make like you know how Austin has his custom title. Let's do that. And uh, it was the most dangerous belt because, <laughs> like, it's it's that steel that isn't it's sharp corners. Yeah, was, uh, we were idiots. And anyway. and so the world title I put on a uh, on a red strap, and custom designed it. It's it's an eagle where the wings actually come up over like the top plate. Okay, and in the eagle's talons is uh, the globe. And then, you know, it's you got your typical banners with the emblems and everything. And it just kind of looks like a almost like a starburst behind everything. And then on like the the plates, one's the British flag, one's the Japanese flag, one's the Canadian flag and the other one's the the U.S. flag. And then um, the tag titles, again, you know, another idea that Fox and I'd come up with. Uh, mainly Fox because I I wasn't really big in the WCW and you know Fox always watched both. Yeah. And Fox said uh I I really like the the WCW Cruiserweight tag titles which I think were only in existence for one week, maybe two weeks. They weren't yeah, they went around long. And it was the main plate of the belt is the body and head of an eagle and the side plate is the wings of an eagle. Oh, okay. And so I did that. And that, that plane's very base or that that belt's very plain and basic. There's not a whole lot to it. But, you know, it's it's different. It's different than what anybody yeah. else is going with. And those are on white white straps. And uh you know, so I came up with it. The guy gave, you know, a good gave me a really good price on it and I, I went to moose and i said you know this is this is what it is this is how much it would cost you know what do you think and he's like uh if it, that's all it's going to cost do it and nice. you know it, it ended up costing I, I think i paid like 40 dollars out of pocket and, and he paid uh, it was 800 for oh. the four belts oh, that's an excellent price i, would, yeah. I always and assumed they were, they were custom yeah i yeah. always assumed they would be like Four to five, if not up to eight hundred a piece. Yeah. yeah, and so I paid the forty-five dollar Western Union fee, and you know he paid the eight eight hundred dollars, and I'm the whole time I'm thinking I'm gonna end up paying Moose eight hundred dollars because this guy's gonna screw me over. You know, like I never dealt with Western Union, and I yeah. was I was very you know nervous about it, and then. You know, he promised that we would have them. Our one show is February 22nd. Our next show is April 26th. And he promised we'd have them before the 26th. They came the 28th, <laughs> which I was furious about, you know. And and the thing was, was uh, at the time, Nubius, he, 
he was like, huh, I don't really know if I want to wrestle. You know, my, my back's been killing me. I, I, I'm having a hard time, you know, keeping it. Because he was 50 at the time. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he was that old. Yeah. He's, I thought he was He's older than you now. think he is. <laughs> and, uh, and so he... Moose is like, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take that that Keystone uh, title, which or, well, the PA title. He kept calling it the PA title. We're gonna take that PA title off him. We're we're gonna put it on you. We'll say that you won it, you know, at a at a show in New York. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so we did the uh, the next show was in actually the first show. We'll go back to. Uh, kind of skipping ahead so we we did the belts got the belts all ordered and i sold for that that show i had because it was the first time i was wrestling in five years or, or so yeah i mean the last I, time i, I remember PTCW when was that show yeah. was uh 2009 okay was, so yeah it was yeah it was 2009 like four so, or five years yeah. since the last time i wrestled and so I had a lot of people, especially with my contacts at Little League, a lot of people wanted to come. I sold like 50-some tickets to the show. And I I, I pushed it a lot on, on social media. And, uh, you know, him and I, Moose and I actually went out and we were flyering places. It, you know, we did what the two top guys in the company should never have to do. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we did it because nobody else would do it. And um, we had there. They took in over eight hundred tickets. Oh, at, at the Y. And it I was, was like, where was this? And I mean, the place was packed. It was it was rowdy. It it was really it was a good. It was one of my favorite times wrestling. Especially, I got to wrestle. Uh, my first match was against. Uh, what he name is Eddie Van Hazard was what he changed his name to Bruce. Oh, okay. Rather okay. than just Hazard, oh, okay, it was Eddie okay. Van Hazard, and um, he, um, you know, him and I, we we talked about the match, and and you know me, I'm like, I I approach matches like how the Undertaker approaches matches. Mm-hmm. I like to know what I'm doing yeah. from bell to bell, because I. And more a memory person on the fly, uh, I can do it. It's just you're not going to get the quality on the fly that. Well, and the, and the benefit that we always had with the FTW, uh, I mean, I guess our, when we were in the backyard doing it weekly, it was more on the fly with like, you know, meeting, like just chatting throughout the week about what we're going to do. But once we went pro and we're just doing monthly shows or, or every other month or whatever, that's when you like, I don't think one person didn't scripted out that way yeah because i mean you have all the time most of us were only doing it for ftw i mean there was very few of us who were actually going out and traveling i know eventually like fox and justin did they they they, they tagged along with uh montoya and, and reckless but i mean most of us that were in the ftw um save for the guys we brought in we were all you know let's plan this out and make it a great match yeah um, which is, is how i would still do it today so in I, so him and I planned it out. I mean, to the point where even Sean Moore, who I, was refereeing, I saw he knew of the match. Yeah. So he he knew what was going on. So it was very easy for for him. Actually, the the sad thing is is that the other referee that was supposed to do the event never showed up. So Sean <laughs> refereed Damn, every man. single match, and his hand was killing him. I'm sure. You know, and then in the ring, that ring was so hard, there wasn't a lot of padding. He came back to do the next match. He went out, He or the next show, he went out, he bought this, you know, like brace for his hand so it wouldn't hurt him as much. <laughs> and it was like wrestling on a cloud to the point where – I gave Redding a German suplex and I I slammed him down and you would have never knew. Like it, it was so quiet. Yeah, that's the event I remember seeing flyers for because there was um I think this was at one of the Frankie things at JoJo's. Um yeah. where like you guys had a basket with tickets and stuff in it. Yep. And that's when I first saw that the UWF was back. Was I, put that that, I put that together. It was a nice I, I, I put money in towards it and uh yeah. and, and failed, but yeah, uh that's when I so and that man, that was two years ago already. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's crazy. 
we um yeah i was actually uh, I, i'll get to that later later yeah. about the the frankie's thing we um so as we're getting ready to the for that show moose says to me you know we're getting close to to the end and he says uh i i i, I need to get somebody to wrestle the midget and i'm like uh, okay i'm like well who are you gonna have wrestle the midget and he's like i don't know i i really don't know i'm like why don't you let me wrestle the midget now I gotta I gotta put you with I gotta put you with that Bruce kid because you know I've never seen Bruce wrestle I know you've you know you've wrestled with him before I would I feel more comfortable with you doing that I'm like well dude don't worry about it I'll I'll do double duty and he's like no I'm not gonna have you do double duty I gotta make the midget win or I gotta let the midget win and it's your first night back I don't want you losing and I'm like Moose it'll be fine and he, he no 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 so I'm like okay. So I, I'm just I'm trying to do everything I can to help him as far as, you know, getting the midget an opponent. And so the day of the show, I go over, I hand him, you know, the ticket money. And actually Redding had he had uh his wife had gotten hurt because it had snowed a couple of days before and she fell, broke her hip. Oh. Yeah. So Mike's like, I can't do the show. So he comes back. He gives me all his tickets. I ended up, because I had sold all of my tickets, and I had gone back to Moose and gotten more tickets and sold all those. Like I said, I sold over 50 tickets, and I ended up selling six of Redding's tickets. And so when I give him all the money, he's like, you sold all these tickets? And I'm like, yeah. And, like, I don't know. I guess it's because he's so used to everybody that he had been dealing with for the last few years wrestling, they just take advantage of, them, you mm. know, they come in, all they're looking for is a payday. They don't want to do anything to help. Like it was emotional for him yeah. to see how far I went to help the product. And, uh, he's like, whoever you want to wrestle. He said, if you want to wrestle, um, Guido tonight for the UWF title, you can wrestle. And I'm like, just let me do double duty. Let me work the midget. <laughs> and he's like, why do you want to work the midget? And I'm like, because it's an honor to work a midget. <laughs> and let me tell you, Short Sleeve Samson is one of the coolest guys I ever met. But Shovelhead Chuck, who was the guy that I, I wrestled, Shovelhead Chuck was awesome. He was, he was such a good guy, even for the fact that he didn't kick my ass just for offending him because we get he comes in to the locker room later that day and he's like uh okay so who am i working and i'm like actually you're you're working me and bruce and i we were just going over like the final parts of of our match what we were going to do and so i'm like just you know give me a second and then uh i'll get to you because i'm doing double duty and he's like oh okay so bruce and i finish up and i go over to him and I'm like, look, man, any any of the classic midget spots you want to do, like, you know, you want to chase me around the ring, bite my ass, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm cool with it. And he's like, no, I, I don't I don't I don't do that stuff. And I'm like, OK. And like you could tell he was really offended by it. Uh, I'm like, shit, man, I just pissed him off. He's going to stiff you now. But and it, it was a blast. So first we go out. Me Montoya and I had Sir Style. At, you know, he was he was like our manager, our mouthpiece. We go out and uh, you know we're shit talking the crowd. We got the the motorcycle gimmick because it, it was something that I always wanted to do. I always felt that if you're going to do a gimmick, you have to live your gimmick. Like mm -hmm. me, I, I ride a motorcycle. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I I I ride in packs. I unless I'm going back and forth to work, I'm never alone on my bike. You know, I always got other people with me. And so I just thought, you know, this is this is a good thing. You know, I saw Impact with Aces and Eights, and I, I saw how terrible they they took that gimmick. It started off great for anybody who, who was a fan of it, uh, a fan of Impact or watched Impact at the time. The whole Aces and Eights thing started off great. It got very predictable, and it just – they just – buried it into the ground when they they could have done so much for the gimmick mm. and i thought that 
I want to do what's right with the gimmick. Like I I wanted for those that that aren't really familiar with uh, with motorcycle clubs, most motorcycle clubs aren't about you know they're not outlaws. They're not out out there you know <laughs> selling guns and drugs and you know it's not it's nothing like Sons of Anarchy. Do you have those clubs out there? Absolutely. But in the history of motorcycle clubs, I mean, like you see what happened a couple of weeks ago in France and, uh, you know, ISIS, they were threatening something at another location mm. near France. And who was there to protect it? A motorcycle club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's what motorcycle clubs do. They do, they're the ones that organize these, uh, these Toys for Tots rides. And, you know, they're the ones who, when a soldier's flown home, uh, or, you know, when they're, when their body's flown home to be with their family from overseas, they're the ones that lead the way. You know, when, yeah, yeah. when that, when the casket's dropped off at the airport and it's put into the car and sent to the funeral home, they're the ones that lead the, the car to the funeral yeah, home, yeah, yeah. you know? And so that's what I wanted to start it off evil. Like it should be, you know, yeah, make yeah, yeah. every, and then take it to, you know, the face level yeah, you yeah, know yeah. What I mean? because you have to be as you know from not just you know being a fan but from wrestling yeah. it, you know in your career you have to be the most hated to be the most loved yeah and vice versa you yeah. have to be the most loved to be the most hit that's why it John Cena drives me nuts <laughs> you know and, and it's always been that way you I know hate John Cena. <laughs> and Oh no, he did remember that night. <laughs> but and and that's where I wanted to take it. So you know, we're out there, we're running down the crowd, and I knew a lot of my my friends from Little League were there, and so I I wanted to use that in in it because I had just uh, a few months prior I had just stepped down from being on the board of the Little League, and so one of the comments I had said. Because, you know, I knew I had over 50 some people that yeah, yeah, watching yeah. me that were there to see me more than anything. And so, of course, I come out and I'm getting cheered. And so I said, what did he say? What did C-Rob say to that crowd? The crowd that was cheering for him, the crowd that was there at the UWF Hall to see C-Rob wrestling. What did he say? Find out next week, folks. Uh, we are going to continue our conversation with C-Rob next week, um, and it's going to be we're going to continue on with the conversation about him coming back to the UWF, and um, and go from there. We have a great conversation to kind of wrap up, um, and I'm, you know what? I messed up. I didn't give you a show last week, so I'm going to give you part two this week. That's right. Today is Monday, February fourth. Uh, you're listening to this, you're getting all riled up for, you know, wrestling. WrestleMania was just this past weekend. Uh, you're listening to a true indie wrestler, a true indie star, and you want to know what happens next in his journey. And I'm not going to make you wait a whole week. No, no, no. I'm going to make you wait a business week. That's right. Friday, this Friday, I don't have the date in front of me, but it's a, the Friday after WrestleMania 2016. You'll get part two of my conversation with C-Rob. I promise you that. You can find him on... I don't know. I think he has a Twitter. I don't know what it is, though. Um, he didn't really want to plug much of himself, really. Um, he, he wants you to check out that Carol Yeager Ellis Coach Pitch Softball Tournament this summer, July 9th to the 14th. Uh, 2016. So check that out. Um, we'll get more information about that as we get closer. Find me on Twitter at HHWST. Find this show on Twitter at That Entertains. Make sure you go to iTunes. Subscribe to this show. Do me a huge favor. While you're on iTunes, subscribe to this show to miss, to not miss every awesome interview we do on this awesome show. Please leave an awesome review for us, an awesome five-star review. It really would help us out. More eyes on the show would just be so cool. You know, it's, um, I, I in the, an episode coming up, you're going to hear me talk to, to Joe Kaliva about, like, I don't look at numbers, and I really don't look at numbers, but, like, 
it would be cool. Like I'm hitting some cool milestones in my podcasting career 10 years in and I'm getting like people that I didn't think would say yes, say yes. I get people come to me and say, Hey, can I be on your show? Um, so like, it'd be really cool just to see some people leave some awesome reviews on iTunes, some awesome five-star reviews. It helps this show. Uh, and I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to be able to do like the next big thing, but it's just going to be cool for me and it'll be cool for the guests that come on this show to say, Hey, this is legitimate, man. Like everything is awesome. This is a legitimate podcast to go and have a good conversation. That's, that's what I want this show to be about. Um, so stay tuned next week when we uh, sit down and finish our conversation with the one, the only, the, the icon, if you will. C-Rob. Everything is Awesome is produced by Crude Humor Studios. For more information about the podcast, please visit us online at awesomepodcast.com. Or if you're interested in advertising on the show, please email us at advertising at crudehumorstudios.com. Stream and download all episodes on iTunes. While you're there, please consider leaving a five-star review. If you're a fan of the show, please let us know by following us on Twitter and Instagram at That Entertains.